0: I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis continuity and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode. Today's title is how dynamic risks like supply chain issues, civil unrest and natural disasters can impact your business. The DRJ Fall 2022 conference is right around the corner, and this year the theme is the evolution of resilience. Join us in Phoenix, Arizona, September 11th through the 14th in 2022 to discuss the most relevant topics in business resilience and network with the top leaders in our industry. In this episode, we are sharing a brief preview of what to expect at one of DRJ's conferences. At the Spring 2022 DRJ Conference in Orlando, Florida, Brian Zawada, the Chief Operating Officer for Castellon Solutions, and Matt Bradley, the Vice President of Global Security Solutions for OnSolve, presented on Achieving Operational Resilience in 2022, Lessons Learned from Supply Chain Disruption and Other Dynamic Risks. In their session, Brian and Matt shared some of the dynamic risks that have affected companies over the last two years disasters, civil unrest, and of course, supply chain issues. In the short clip we're about to share, they cover how these issues have affected businesses and what we need to do to be cognizant of those.
1: What Matt's covering when he introduces dynamic risk is something that I've observed a growing number, granted it's still in its infancy, of something called almost like the plan ahead committee or the plan ahead team the one that's looking at the second third order consequences, or in this case, risk B. So we'll talk more about that as we go. Yeah, and I'll tell a
2: story about the chief worry officer from a company that, uh, <laughs> that we used a, an earlier presentation. So this is risk A becomes risk B, right? This was Hurricane Ida on the Gulf Coast that then became flooding in Manhattan, right? And I think the issue that I see when you talk about dynamic risk is that the plans that we have, even the ones that are set up in our, uh, in our systems when we're using a platform, that those plans are, let's run through the checklist when we're dealing with a hurricane, okay? And we're like, okay, well, everyone should evacuate and we're gonna close the office. And we're like, wait a minute, evacuate? Where, what do we do when we hurricane evacuate? Oh, we put everybody in a large building right on top of each other, and you know they stay there for a couple of days, which is great if you're not in the middle of a pandemic, right? And so that plan now isn't working. So the plans that we have are typically meant to work in isolation, how do you adapt your plan to work when there's a complication or a second risk that's affecting? Or how do you divert resources from one team to manage the
1: other incident? Yeah, and this is where I think you get into this whole idea of is whether it's a separate team or it's a group of people that you add to an existing crisis or incident team, people that are wired for kind of that high conceptual skills to look at something and say, yeah, you know what? I get it, we're talking about a hurricane. But how can this get worse, not only for myself, my suppliers, my customers? How does that impact the demand for our services? How does that impact the entirety of our end-to-end supply chain and ultimately the resources that we bring to bear to deliver our products and services? And so whether that's that team that I mentioned before or whether it's simply inserting a set of maybe tasks, procedures, triggers for something to really intentionally look at risk B. I think that's a key here and I think this is a great example of that.
2: Yeah, we're gonna go through a few more examples just to kind of drive home the concept. We're really painting the picture of what the problem is and then we're gonna talk a little bit later about the strategy and the the framework around the solutions. Um, So risk A causes risk B. You have a tornado uh, that leads to power outages and then a gas main break and then that ultimately leads to an evacuation. Right. So what's the follow on effects. And we just had some very severe tornadoes in Texas and in Louisiana. And again, everyone is like, okay, there's a tornado. You know, that's going to be a short event. Uh, You know, everybody get into the basement. Everybody take, uh, you know, get in the storm shelter. Tornado passes. We start checking on people. And then we find out that they have other problems as a result of the tornado. Right. And we had an example of a a customer that um, had pilots who were and flight crew who weren't showing up for work. And they were like, why aren't these guys showing up for work? Well, they had been hit by tornadoes uh, outside in in their hometown. And so it wasn't that they had been damaged by the tornadoes, but now they didn't have gas and now they had to to evacuate. And so that's where you're like, if you're not paying attention to what's gonna be the outcome of this and how does it affect my business, even if you didn't know why we didn't have an office, we didn't have an office that was hit by the tornado, but we had people who were impacted by that. And those people were the continuity that we needed to continue
1: our operations. And especially when we're talking about we're no longer having a concentration of people, we've actually allowed them to disperse, it just creates a bigger challenge. Two thoughts on the work from a home situation,
2: right? You're like, okay, well, it spreads out our risk because now we don't have everybody concentrated in the large building where maybe a disgruntled employee or a disgruntled customer might have come and taken an action against us there. So we've spread our risk over more area, but at the same time, we've also increased the places that we need to take into uh, account when things happen, so we've increased the number of places that we monitor. At the same time, we spread out the risk. So risk A enables risk B. This is um, this is for you, Brian, to talk a little bit about you know how this works out.
1: Yeah, and we think you know there's there, there's the obvious. You know, many of you were still standing when we talked about civil unrest affecting your organizations. But let you know, and this is this is a this is obviously a pretty this is a pretty obvious scenario that so many people have experienced both personally and professionally. But let's take something right out of the news over the last four weeks. Is that this type, you know, when we talk about, and I don't want to call it a threat of social media, but it becomes a trigger where we all need to take action more is Russia invades Ukraine, social media kicks up, it's not just a government sanctions effort now, it's now a personal sanctions effort. That, that, that upswell of, of protest against, in this case, by many of Russia, forcing organizations or at least influencing them to think, you know, should I pull out of Russia? What and then what are the implications there as well? And so you get into this whole, this dynamic of not just inside your geography, but a global upswell of protest that impacts how we serve our customers, how do we take care of our people, even though they might be in a place that might be considered undesirable. Some, Some really interesting operational consequences, again, not just what we've experienced over the last couple of years from a social perspective here in the States, but globally and the long-term implications there as well. Yeah, I
2: totally agree with that. And the one thing that you think about is, you know, we saw the Russia-Ukraine conflict building over weeks and even a couple of months. And so, of course, people who had actual operations in Ukraine and Russia were taking uh, mitigating steps along the way. But were you also thinking about the supply chain implications, right? And did you even know, right? We talk about the supply chain. It doesn't just extend to your suppliers. It extends to your supplier suppliers. Those are also your suppliers. So key to understand all of that chain and again seeing like, you know, okay, what what opportunities do we have to be able to mitigate what might happen in Ukraine to our suppliers or the suppliers of our suppliers, not just our own employees. So again, the interconnectedness of all of this means we have to really be monitoring everything that's happening everywhere all the time. And we'll talk a little bit about how we can do that later on. So I think we have a couple more examples. I'll go through this one quickly. Risk B occurs for an unrelated reason, right? So again, you're dealing with, you know, or you think that your major risk is a volcano and it turns out to be militia activity. And my my colleague, Chris Hurst, who we gave this presentation earlier, this is his story because he was a a risk manager for a non-governmental organization. They went into a location in uh, Congo and they thought, our biggest risk is this volcano. And you're like, it's an active volcano, so it's a legitimate risk, and we need to be ready to move our people and our operations if that volcano should go off. But when they got there on the ground, the biggest risk they had was you know, soldiers coming over the border. And they're like, hmm, well, we didn't know that there was a civil war or a conflict going on at this time, right? So again, you're prepared for one thing and something else happened. So again, we got some, uh, some statistics here, and this is where we're gonna get into the supply chain piece of it. I'll cover the statistics and then I'll let Brian talk about uh, the implications on supply chain. So again, from our Forrester study, 22% of uh, respondents said they currently track and monitor their supply chain risks. I would just ask a question here. How many of you are monitoring your supply chain risks? So maybe the similar similar percentage of people doing that. And only 41% of those had effectively optimized the response to that risk. So of those people who raise their hand that you're monitoring, how many of you think that you have an optimized uh, risk management plan for that? Yeah, again, maybe a little less than that 41%. So what do you
1: think about that, Brian? Can you do me a favor? Go to the next slide for a second, and then we're gonna come back to this one. I okay. just wanna kind of... This was a study that we, uh, we sponsored at Castellon through our, our subsidiary, BC Management, who does a lot of data studies, a lot of analytics. Similar numbers, you know, a little bit higher in terms of only 52, 52% of organizations address supply chain disruptions. 42% um, are really getting into more of the supply chain continuity resilience planning. You can go back to the other one. The reason I, I wanted to show both of them, when I first saw this, I thought, this this really seems low. Now it's really low compared to the other one, but the other one was still shocking to me too. That It was only about 50%. And the reason for that, um, At Castellon, we we do two things, software and we have services. And the part of our, about half of our services business involves kind of doing what all of you do. You're sitting in seats that involve running uh, resilience programs. And I can tell you firsthand, because I have responsibility for the services business at our organization, I can't think of a single program we're involved that this is not number one or number two in terms of the issues that we're engaging with executive leaders on every single day. And I'm gonna talk about some of the things that I've learned and our teams have learned as we've gone through this effort around supply chain. But you know, when we think about all of the headline grabbers and all of the effects that people have had from a supply chain perspective, whether it was caused by COVID and a second order consequence causing by staffing, which led to you know a government action, which led to a port issue, which led to all of these other things that you're seeing up here. Let's take COVID aside, you have the severe weather issues. And you know, what was it? I guess it was early last year or the end of the year before, the severe weather in Southern Texas impacting the petrochemical industry, led to plastics issues and the cascade uh, impacts there. The bottom line is there's near constant threats. And when we talk about the complexity of supply chains and the fragility, if you will, of of those supply chains, This is becoming something that is absolute top of mind of the sponsors of all of our programs. And again, if if many of you are kind of in the audience going, you know what, I only really focus on the IT side of things, that's okay too, because guess what? IT, think about everything we're doing in the cloud and all of the service dependencies that involve third parties. Understanding kind of the end to end of how we deliver IT services is huge as well. And again, complex, fragile something that we really absolutely do need to pay attention to. How many of you are mitigating risks that you don't know
2: about? Mitigating risks that you don't know about. All right, we only have one person here. The problem with mitigating risks you don't know about is you don't know what to mitigate, right? So it's kind of a rhetorical question. My point is in looking at these numbers here of saying, how can you be mitigating supply chain risk, which Brian is saying people are talking about at the board level. How can you be mitigating that if you're not quantifying it, if you're not measuring it, if you're not monitoring it, right? And so if this is one of the biggest risks that we also hear from our customers that their board cares about, right? Now we're talking about business outcomes. What does the CFO care about? What does the CEO care about? He doesn't care what software you're using to manage risk. He doesn't care about how many people you have or don't have. What he cares about is, does the business continue to function? Do we keep making money? And if supply chain is one of the biggest concerns he has, and you're not monitoring that risk, you're, not contrib- you're missing an opportunity to contribute to a business outcome. Okay? And so if you're not monitoring, you obviously can't be mitigating, and that's the difficulty there. Did you have anything else? No, you want nothing that on else on that one? one. Okay. So again, yeah. supply chain resilience, I think our point here is that it's important, and if you're not doing it, you should look to who is doing it in your organization or how you might do it. And we talked a lot about leadership, and I think you know one of the things that I've heard this week is about breaking down the silos, working cross-functionally, and we talked in our session about the Chief Resilience Officer, and really that wasn't about a title, although Vanessa has it, and I'm so glad to hear that somebody does. Um, It wasn't just about having that title, but it was about you leading by influence and taking control of that position and being able to uh, um, cross-functionally manage these issues so that's where that's where we're wanting to go raise this to the level that you're aware of it and that you start to work on
0: it. that was just 10 minutes of their presentation and they go into even more detail afterwards of their framework for handling these pitfalls we'll link to their full presentation in the show notes but if this caught your interest i highly encourage you to join us either virtually or in person for the drj fall conference To learn more and register today, please go to the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review and share it with a friend. Thanks again. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.